Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. If you've been a fan of InspireMeToday.com for any time now, you know that each day we feature what we call Today's Brilliance, the 500 words written by an amazing inspirational luminary. And I read each and every one of those submissions and hand select the ones that we feature. And sometimes I read a luminary's Today's Brilliance and I have to smile, for it seems that the luminary is just having so much fun. I mean, when you really think about spirituality and enlightenment, I mean, sometimes people just take life so seriously and they forget the things that made them happy in the first place. Today's luminary has been called one of America's most respected spiritual teachers. But the more I read about this man, he's also having fun with life. He's the author of a book entitled Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be. He's also developed the Soul Jazz program, Bringing Soul to Everyday Life and Relationships, which helps participants develop more connection, intimacy, and love in their lives and relationships. He's also an interfaith minister, an avid motorcyclist, and is a lead in a professional blues combo. Doesn't he sound like fun already? His name is Dr. Robert Foreman, and I am so honored that he's here today to share his soul jazz with us. Dr. Foreman, welcome to Inspire Me Today, and thanks for being with us today. It is an honor to be here. I think what you're doing is wonderful work, and I'm wonderful to be counted among your your people. Our so family you of luminaries. Me. You're very welcome. Well, I want to jump right in and say, are you really having as much fun as you look like you're having? And secondly, um, tell me a little bit about your story of... You mentioned to me you've got two doctorates. Dr. Doctor sounds pretty serious, and yet you're doing some fun stuff in the world. So tell us a little bit about how did you get to be who you are doing what you're doing in the world? Well, interestingly enough, Gail, I actually started out being uh, very depressed. And I was, I was clinically depressed for about three years in college. And that was the beginning of my story. Because it was uh, the one thing that I had that I think some of my other depressed friends didn't have was I had the determination to figure out what on earth was wrong with me and mm-hmm. what I could do about it. And so I took up this and that and the other thing. I took up Zen, I took up yoga, I took up this and that. And finally I took up Transcendental Meditation, which really seemed to help me. And what it did, uh, more than anything else, was to open up, to, to, to bring me to a certain kind of uh, calmness or steadiness more or less, which, which allowed me to open up into where I was hurting. I think the problem for most people is that when we hurt, we all tend to run from it. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. But by, by having a certain kind of uh, stability in the middle of the whole thing, um, I was able to start really looking and reflecting on where I was causing myself so much pain and what had gone on and remember the things that were really difficult from my childhood. And I think that if you can address things in an honest and open way, if you can bring yourself to be able to say, yes, this is what I'm doing, yes, this is where I've been, this is where I hurt, and do it without running from it, then I think you can really address those pieces and allow them to simply be there without having to push them away and, in effect, take some of the toxicity away from them. And as a result of doing that over the years, many, many years, um, I think the things that used to hurt me so much don't hurt so much anymore. The things that used to really cause me pain are still there. All the memories are still there and whatnot. But I think the pain has lessened enough that I can simply allow it to be there and not have to run from it. 
And as a result, my life has gotten richer and richer, and I'm running from things less and less. And so I think, though your introduction is kind of unusual, I think, yeah, it's allowed me to be a kind of free in my own life. And I think that's what I'd like to invite people in well, into, that, I, that willingness to be open and free. I think that's wonderful. I mean, seriously, I have interviewed some people who are so serious about being serious about life. And it's the fact that you're that you're playfully calling it soul jazz. I mean, that alone just says, okay, he's having fun with what he's doing. And I think that that makes it more attractive for other people to say, okay, so tell me about this. So I'm going to ask, what is soul jazz? Well, very good. Um, let me, I could ask you personally, or we could just ask our listeners, you know, think, think about a time that you've really let your hair down with somebody and, and kind of began talking and discovering what you really felt, who you really were. Sometimes it's happened to people on an airplane or on a ship. Sometimes you, you can do this with your spouse. That's probably the hardest. Um, sometimes you can do this with a very dear friend. When you really start to talk about what's really going on for you, what you don't yet understand, what's really true for you, mm-hmm. uh, and then they share something back with you. And so what happens is, that I tell, I tell somebody, I tell my friend, hey, I'm really struggling with this, or I'm really learning about that. And then they say, you know, I'm, I'm having something kind of similar. And they kind of discover what they're dealing with as you're discovering what you're dealing with. And then yes. that inspires me, and then I inspire them. And so there's a kind of playful, almost, almost improvisational quality to telling the truth. When you start telling the truth, it inspires somebody else to tell theirs. And it does have the quality of jazz, doesn't it? It's it's like you're almost playing together, and and I I love thinking about this it jazz. It's very, it's very. Um, it's like I have a riff, and you respond with another riff, and off we go. That's oh, yeah. awesome. You know, it's funny that my timing and in interview you. I mean, funny, serendipitously funny. Yesterday, I I have a a girlfriend that I talk with every morning five days a week, and it's been about five years, and we spend ten minutes together. And it was really interesting because our topic yesterday, she was talking about this woman that she had just met who, as you say, let her hair down and totally became vulnerable and just, here's my soul, open wide, this is who I am. And she said, I found it scary for the first 30 seconds, and then I got vulnerable, and then she got more vulnerable, and then I got more vulnerable, and we're now like, I feel like I know this woman for 20 years, and I've known her for 10 minutes. And it's that kind of thing, and we talked about vulnerability. And when you, as you put it, do play that riff and someone else plays that riff back, when we can allow ourselves to open our hearts and be vulnerable, I think we make that pathway easier to walk for that other person to get closer to us. Would you agree? This is just perfect. Um, When I, when we teach the Soul Jazz program, and the website again is uh, souljazzonline.com, when we teach the Soul Jazz program, we talk a lot about vulnerability. Because vulnerability is kind of scary to people. You know, it sounds like, oh, my God, I'm going to look, you know, they're going to know what I am, which is true. You start to let other people in. So you want to do it carefully and cautiously. But being able to, as I like to put it, lean into your own vulnerability, lean into the anxiety that comes up for that 30 seconds before you go there, it is a, a kind of revelation that you can start to touch into the truth and you can start to touch into what's really going on for you. And it's a great gift to both you and the other person or the other people. Sometimes you can do this in groups. So, totally. Yeah. Because you, you connect on a level that's actually real. I mean, it's not the superficial stuff. Bless you. That's exactly right. And that's all I want. 
I want more people in the world to be able to offer what is really real and tell the real truth and open up to what is really the case. And I want to have more and more playmates who I can play this kind of jazz with. And I think that's worth doing. I think it's worth having more and more and more people being able to share what is really the case for them because it helps us become more richly human, doesn't it? Uh, totally. And the thing is, I mean, going back to it is more real, it makes those relationships so much deeper, so much more fun, so much. I mean, when I have someone that I can go that deep with and I know that I'm safe to be that vulnerable with, that person is the first one that I want to talk to when there's something really going on because they, they know me and they get me. Yeah. So that's always and a good thing. That business, about they, they, that business about they get me is so reassuring, isn't it? That when you can share what's really going on, the other person has a real clearer and clearer sense of who you are. And there's something very heartening. There's something very um, safety-making in knowing that there are other human beings who feel similarly with me. And you know what the surprising thing to me is, Gail? that when I share what is really the case for me as a human being, you know, that I'm afraid of aging, that I'm lonely, that I'm feeling lost sometimes, that I'm feeling proud sometimes, when I can share what is really true for me as a human being, mm -hmm. almost always the other person has a very similar kind of experience. Because when you touch into this real stuff, we're touching on the stuff that makes us human. And I think so many people can connect in this way. So it's a way, I think, to help our species and our society make better and richer and more full connections one with another. I couldn't so, agree with you more. I mean, the yeah. relationships that I have that are the closest and the deepest and dearest to me are those that I am the most vulnerable. And isn't that, isn't that almost always the case? Yeah. For me, it's always the case. Well, yeah. Dr. Foreman, where does fear fall into this? Because I think, well, the, I want to talk about this in two aspects. First off, people, I think, are instinctively afraid to go there. And secondly, afraid to go there. Fear itself stops people in their tracks so many times. So how do you use soul jazz not only to connect in relationships to create deeper bonds, but also to break through fears within yourself? Uh, I, I absolutely want to an answer the question, but I want to just take a little pause here, and I want to say, Gail, your questions are just perfect. You're really kind of catching the music here, and I want to compliment you for it. This is just such a joy to talk to you. So Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. This is fabulous. Okay, back to work. Um, the, what, the Soul Jazz program, we, we have six two-hour classes taught on the web, so it's a webinar. And during those six classes, one of the things that we do is we teach people how to use that fear. I think that fear is healthy. I think the fear that we feel about exposing ourselves, the fear that we feel about maybe the other person can mishandle us, mishandle us mm -hmm. I think all that is very real and very important, and I would never want to underplay it. So what we do is we talk about both how to use that fear, what is it that you're really afraid of, and how to kind of open up or lean into it, as I like to say. But also, when is, what, what are the signals that it would be inappropriate to share with people? We all know people that we've shared with that have turned around and used it against us in very real ways. That's difficult. We have all know people that overshare with us, that share too much, and that we feel like, whoa, sweetheart, let's not go there. It's a little too much.
much information. Right. Um, you know, so we, we all know that. So we want to both use the fear that comes up, but we also want to get the cues or learn the signals for how we can find playmates that are appropriate to share with and will not do damage to us and will not harm, you know, what, what it is that we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. They'll protect us in a certain sense. So I think that fear is very healthy, and I, and I never want to undershoot it. I think it's very good. One of our luminaries actually said to me, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the quote here, but something like, when you feel fear, fear and excitement are basically the same thing. The only different, only difference is that when you are excited, you're breathing. When you're fearful, you're not. <laughs> and I thought, all right. So when I feel that come up, I find that when I breathe, you can always breathe through it. Yeah, you can. But on the other hand, there are there are certain situations that are worthy of being afraid, you know, and you want to know what the signals for that are. In other words, if there's a bear out there, I don't want to breathe into it. I want to get the hell out of the territory. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm laughing. I'm laughing <laughs> while you're saying that, Dr. Foreman, in that I have a property, a home that we're just building inside Glacier National Park. So you, you know from bears. Oh, totally. But just a few weeks ago, I was out on our deck, 40 feet, standing away from a mountain lion who crouched and hissed at me. And I thought, okay, that's fear. But it was really good for me to put it in perspective because the other silly nonsense that bounces around my brain sometimes that I think I should be afraid of. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's just all made up stuff. That can eat me. (laughs) Well, I think think that your other luminary... It's an odd word to apply to oneself. Um, I think that this other person um, who said that the only difference between fear and excitement is that you can breathe into excitement. I think that when I'm about to share something that makes me vulnerable with a friend, with someone that I know or don't know particularly well, in the beginning, I often feel a little anxiety. But if I've shared with you, I have some friends that I probably have five or six people that I do this with, but if I have some friends that I have shared this kind of thing over and over again, over the months or years, then when it comes up, I really don't tend to feel the anxiety that I might have felt at the very beginning of all this. What I feel is, is, is a certain kind of giddiness or excitement. It's that's like, that's ooh, what there's something rich here. Ooh, I wonder what it is. Ooh, you you are hitting cool. the you are hitting the nail on the head for me because that's what I meant when you are having fun. Because when you can go that deep, you can let go of the boundaries that you think you have to live in and who you have to be, and instead you can just let you know let your hair down, have a good time. Be who you are and know that you're going to be loved for that beautiful soul that's inside of you. And I, yes, and I also want to say that when I am sharing what is really real for me, even if it has tears involved, um, the line between sharing in a very sober way or sharing in a way that makes me feel very sad or lost or lonely, the line between that and laughter is very porous. And so I often find myself in some very serious moment and all of a sudden we're kidding around and then we're back into sobriety, we're back into seriousness. And I don't think, uh, George Bernard Shaw once said, um, I work and I play and I let other people determine which one I'm doing. Because for him, it's, it all feels kind of the same. And that's kind of the way it is for me. Which is, if I share with you you know, as we're sharing here today, right. as I share here with you, we're talking pretty seriously. 
But, you know, we can kind of kid around, and I don't think there's a real sharp line between those two. And I don't want to live my life such that I have to feel very sober at any point. I yeah. want to be able to work and play all at the same time. And you're right. I think there is something just kind of, yeah, playful, joyous about doing that. And that's the way I think we should all live our lives. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a fun way to live life. Well, Soul Jazz, where can people find out more about it? Well, as I say, the program is, uh, the, the website is called Soul Jazz Online. It'll tell you all about it. We have a course coming up in two weeks that I'd love to have some more people sign up for. Perfect. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead just so our, our listeners, our community already knows this, but you guys know just come on back to inspiremetoday.com, put in Dr. Foreman, F-O-R-M-A-N, and up will pop his inspiration, his today's brilliance, his profile, his bio, all the information as well as how to contact him, where to buy his book, how to easily just one click buy his book. And also we'll put the links there, Dr. Foreman, to your course that you have coming up so that people will be able to participate if they'd so like to do so. Well, this is just fantastic. I'd love to have people join us. So. Well, that's terrific. And you, Gail, are cordially invited to join us as well. Well, thank you. Well, I've got to ask you, you have changed the lives of so many people through the work that you're doing. You inspire so many people. Who or what inspires you? You know the thing that really inspires me the most? Uh, when I come across someone who really can love, I'm thinking at this moment of my grandson, who is three, who has taught me what it is to love without defense. It sounds so sappy. It sounds so goofy almost to be able to say that. But I find that just being able to, I'll tell you an experience that once happened to me not too long ago with this kid. I was changing his diaper. God, he's gonna grow up to be 20 and I him hear this. Oh well, I was changing his diaper and, and I, I was singing a song to him and I put my nose about six inches from his nose and he looked at me with no blinking and just listened and I sang my song to him and he was just there and I was just there and the idea that I could be that undefended from another human being I find is one of the most astonishingly sweet gifts I've ever gotten from anybody and I can say that the more I can do that with people the better off I am and the better off our lives are. My life is. I'm, I'm sitting here so with a great big grin on my face. I just returned yesterday, having spent a week with my four-year-old granddaughter. So I yeah. fully understand what you're talking about. I bet you do, yeah. There's something about it. You know, when, when before you had grandchildren, before we had grandchildren, they all said, oh, yeah, it's so cool, you get to give the kid back. But, you know, that's not it. The thing is that I'm older now, and I'm not so busy building a career and becoming a sort of you know well-known guy. I, I'm just with these kids. I just just there and loving them, and that is the privilege of being a grandparent. I think that you're so much more ready for that kind of contact. Last so, last year, I've got to share something with you that again, my granddaughter will hear this when she's 20, and she'll laugh. I love the innocence and the absolute vulnerability. I told her, I said, her name is Luna, and I said, Luna, I love you to pieces. And she was so proud of herself that she was learning how to count that she kind of, you know, rolled her eyes up. She looked up to the sky and she looked back at me and she said, Gigi, I love you three pieces. <laughs> I can so see one of these kids do that. And it's just those, that kind of just sheer, pure innocence 
that when we get to that level with another human being, how can we our hearts not just burst open? Yeah. It's an amazing thing. You know, thing. but the thing is, the thing is, here I am a professor. And I've got, you know, I actually do have two doctors, and and I think in a certain sense, to be able to say, the thing that really counts is not all the books I've read, not all the books I've written, and not all the, you know, the well-knownness that I've mm-hmm. got, but rather the thing that counts is just being able to make human contact. In a certain sense, there's something rather vulnerable in that. There's something that's sort of... I don't know. This, I, it makes me feel like being able to share this with you is a different kind of connection than I think I could have done 15 years ago when I was still seriously into the professor thing. And I think that that's, there's something so much better about being able to share at this level than being able to share a kind of good theory about whatever we write about or think about. Sure. I absolutely do. Well, I'm one of those people that I love to get very tangible advice. So I'm going to ask you this. Do you have specific steps or practices that you do every day that I don't mean to say keep you vulnerable, but keep you open to the possibility of going deeper that you might be able to share with other people of how they can add this soul jazz to their life? Yeah. I actually do. I mean, when you said, do I have things I do, I meditate. I've been meditating every day for 40-some years, so that's part of my life. Mm -hmm. But I think there actually is something that I can offer to people, and that is if we as human beings can be attentive to what is really true right now, what is really going on for us right now, and if we can... That, that alone is a huge gift to us all, to be able to say, yes, this is what I feel, this is what I am, this is where, you know, this is where I'm, I feel like I'm going. If we can be attentive to that, that would be a huge gift. And I think even better, if we could be attentive to that and share it in a quiet whisper or in some way with another human being, in a way that's not heavy and not obnoxious, but sharing with another person what's really going on. There's something so enriching to a life about being able to do that. So I think that is something that we can all do. And if there's one thing I want to encourage people to do, it's to be discovering what is true for us every day. And that would be, I think, the where I would want to encourage people to do of course, I'd like to have them take the Soul Jazz program because it, it actually helps people do exactly this. But it's something that we all can do and should be doing more and more every day. So, yeah, it's in there, I'd say. Excellent. Great, great information. Hey, tell me a little bit about the book. We haven't talked much about that. Enlightenment, Eat What It's Cracked Up To Be. I love the title. Again, <laughs> it's not, it's playful. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> Talk, um, talk to us about that. What's in the book, since I have not yet read it? Um, the, the book is really a kind of, it starts out as a memoir. I, I actually did go through, uh, when I was in my 20s, um, a series of sort of experiential shifts. At the time, I did not recognize them as sort of what I was hoping for. But about 10 years later, after I was in graduate school and reading about what the nature of enlightenment was, I realized that what had happened to me, permanent shifts, were in fact what people were talking about. But, but the thing that really stunned me over the years was that I had had a fantasy of what the spiritual life was supposed to produce. 
<laughs> I'd had a fantasy of enlightenment. And here I went through this kind of experiential shift, the permanent shift, and it was what they were what they were describing, but it wasn't what I had fantasized. And letting go of that and starting to ask myself the question, well, what does count then? What are we after in life? The book is oriented around that. It is a very reflective, very, I would call it ruminative. Um, I like to think it's very well written. But it's a, it's a book in exploration of exactly what we've been talking about. That is to say, what really makes a life good? What really makes us happy? And it seems to me that the spiritual path is very helpful, but sooner or later we need to bring it into our relationships and our life and our work life. And that's, I think, what we should be after in life. So that the book kind of explores that from my own experience. The Soul Jazz program is the program that's kind of grown out of that and, and helps people move into this, into exactly this kind of self-discovery process and becoming more open and more intimate with others. So thanks for asking. I'd love to read you some of it, but I don't think we have a whole lot of time. Well, you tell me. If you have one passage you want to add, feel free. I would love to read you a passage. Shall I read you the concluding line? Yeah, whatever you you choose. I'll read you the very concluding lines from it. Okay. And if I can get to it real fast here. Rather than happiness, or what the Hindus call ananda, in the end, what we are after is to become ever more real. We get to stand bent under the burdens of fewer and fewer of our own lives, with our feet planted ever more deeply in the soil of what is true. We get to become ever more upright, and we get to discover with and to invite others who wish to do the same. What the life path that is called spirituality offers is not unmingled happiness, it's not the conventional nor is it friendship or ease that these may come, what we get is to be increasingly open to the joy and the melancholy that is the deeply lived life. In the end, we get to be increasingly alive, the mystery coursing up our spines. We get to be more awake, more deeply honest, and freer, and to stand up straighter and straighter in it. We get to be, in all its ancient simplicity, a human being. Wow. I love your phraseology of a deeply lived life. Yeah, I think that's what we're really after, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we want to live a life that we're fully in it. And so we we started talking about joy, and we started talking about fun. We can have fun. Fun is a great part of this, but the reason life can be fun is that we are fully in it with no defense. Exactly. Fully in it without objecting, without insisting that it go any particular way. So, yeah, I think it is a deeply lived life that we're after, or certainly I'm after. Uh, Me too. (laughs) I'm looking forward to reading your book. I am so grateful to you, Dr. Foreman, for taking the time to even chat with us today, and I'm very grateful for the insights that you've shared so far. I know you may have already said some of these things, but one of the things that we're known for here at Inspire Me Today is this one question, and this is, if you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? Do I get one sentence here? You may have as many as you like. (laughs) You just can't can't read the whole book. (laughs) (laughs) 
Tell the truth. Tell the damn truth. Tell it so that you have no defense about it. Tell it to a friend. Tell it to someone you love. And tell the truth. Even if it's scary. Even if they don't even want to hear it. Even if, if, it's even, scary, even yes. if whatever. No even yes, ifs. Even just if tell scary, the truth. Even if it's funny. Even if it's whatever. Yes, absolutely. Tell the truth. Yeah. That sounds so simple. <laughs> yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's a life path, I think. You know, it's, it's a path of discovering what it is to be telling the truth, discovering what the truth is, learning it more and more deeply, learning it in the face of your own fears, learning it in the face of, of whatever it is that's been standing in the way of your telling the truth. All of us live in a certain kind of fiction, and the challenge is to dig through that fiction more and more and more so that eventually we can stand stark raving naked in what is. And I think that's where life becomes fully, fully rich and fully meaningful. How can I hear that and not smile? <laughs> that's excellent. Well, with everything you've already done and two doctorates already under your belt and books and courses and the international recognition that you already have, what's next? If you had just... Oh, my goodness. What's next is I've taken up the blues guitar. And what's <laughs> next is I'm in a blues group. It is a blues combo called Halfway to Jazz. We are so much fun. We have really a good time playing some seriously good music. And I can't think of anything more fun. Boy, did, did I just ignite some passion there? My question was going to be, if you had just one more thing that you yes. could accomplish or experience in your lifetime, what would it be? Um, it would be to be as good enough to get paid as a blues musician. I love it. <laughs> and I'm almost there. I took up the I took up the blues guitar five and a half years ago, um, and I've taken lessons virtually every week. Um, I'm actually getting pretty damn good. And um, uh, to tell you the truth, I have now officially gotten paid. But I want to, you know, I want to have a regular blues gig someplace. That would be, because that would say to me, I'm now good enough that people want to come here and pay, pay, me to, pay, pay to hear me. And I think that would be really cool. Okay, you send me a notice when your first concert is. I'll be there, all right? <laughs> You're going to come all the way from Montana. Absolutely. You got, you got it. I'm, Some... I'm, you you got to come now. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Some things are just meant to be, and that sounds like something that uh, I would love to meet you in person, but I would love to experience that kind of joy also. When yeah, people find, I mean, one of the women that I asked this question, she was 84 years old and lived in Nebraska, and what she wanted was to star on Broadway. She's never acted, but that was her thing. And I find yeah. it so interesting that when I ask that question, the passion that ignites in people of, I want to go do this. And sometimes it has nothing to do with what they're doing now, but it, it's, it, sets, it lights their souls on fire. Well, I tell you what, I had a heart attack two and a half years ago. I had a bypass operation. And while I was lying in the hospital, I said to myself, this was right after the book, uh, the, the, right after the movie The Bucket List came out. Ah. So I said to myself, well, what's on my bucket list? And I had two things on my bucket list. One was to drive a big motorcycle around Washington State, because I'd been fantasizing about doing that. I'd never done it. And the other was to be good enough to play in a, in a professional blues, blues group. And uh, so I have now, I made the, the Washington trip that summer, and uh, I'm just about there on my blues fantasy. So that was... Excellent. That was my bucket list. Well, I have one more, Almost, I, one more challenge to add to that list. Montana's a pretty big state, and it's great for motorcycles. You know, I am 
very tempted. If you send me your address, and, and this is this is you know this is getting personal here, but if you send me your address, I can hereby promise I will eventually ride a motorcycle to your house. Excellent. I'll send you a Google Map. How's that? <laughs> this is great. I look forward to sharing soul jazz with you again in the future. And again, I really appreciate your taking the time and just sharing a little bit of your heart and of your soul with with our listeners, because I know that a life lived where soul jazz is part of it is a richer, happier, more fulfilling life. That uh, it's one of those, I'm picturing that, again, paraphrasing that saying, you know, that you slide into home base yelling woohoo with a glass of champagne in one hand and a strawberry in the other. You know the the saying I'm talking about? Absolutely. At the end of life. And uh, as you said, (laughs) it's a deeply lived life. A deeply lived life, indeed. And I want to say to you, Gail, um, that um, the work that you're doing is good work. Thank you. And it's hard to keep it going. And I compliment you for doing it. You're trying to bring both seriousness but also joy into people's lives. And I respect what you're doing, and I hope that your listeners are aware of how hard it is to keep one of these going and how much how much you're working at doing this, and you do a very good job at it. So my, my Thank hats you. off to you. Thank you. That means a lot. Well, we definitely love what we're doing. We love our community, and, uh, you know, we, we just appreciate our listeners coming back each and every week for our interviews and coming to the site every day and reading the brilliances of people like you. So thank you again, Dr. Foreman, for being with us today. It's truly been fun to spend this time with you, so thank you. Yeah, and, thank you. And to our I listeners, know. thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize You've had wings all along. We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by.